Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. Matt and Braden here, and uh, oh, this is an exciting day. We've been waiting a few months to talk to the new author, Sathya Sam. Welcome, <laughs> Sathya, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me here, guys. I've been uh, following this podcast specifically for a long time, so it's an honor to be on it. It's pretty cool. And you've just written a new book. You're a busy man. We're glad that you uh, you took some time for us because I know everybody's <laughs> reaching out wanting to get a piece of Sophia these days. Uh, the book is The Last Relapse, and it just over uh, overviews your, your system. Uh, that you work in, you call it, you call it deep clean in helping guys get free from porn. And so we're excited to chat a little bit about that. But tell us a little bit about the background of Sathya. Why why are you passionate about this? What's your story with porn, just briefly? Yeah, so I I grew up in a pastor's home. Dad is a third generation pastor, so my grandpa and great grandpa were all pastors. So in some ways, I didn't stand a chance. You know, I had other career ambitions, but here here I am. Um, in addition to my parents being pastors, you know, we went to Christian school, had a pretty sheltered life, honestly, growing up. And I say that because everything was set up for me to make good decisions. And I got exposed to porn in the computer lab of my Christian school when I was 11 years old. And guys, this was 2001. This is before like broadband internet and smartphones and all that stuff. Like it wasn't even super accessible back then, but it was still happening. And, you know, it wasn't like I was instantly hooked. As you guys know, it just, it gradually developed in high school. It was a regular habit. And by the time I was in university, porn was kind of my way of rewarding myself for my work and taking the, the edge off. You know, I was 
I was planning to actually go into, into med school and become a psychiatrist. I was always really passionate about mental health. So porn was kind of just my way of coping, you know, because I was uh, studying full time, trying to get good grades. I was volunteering. I had like over five figures in research grants. Um, so I was studying at the university and just um, doing a lot of different things, keeping myself busy. And I, I always told myself, like, oh, I'm, I'm sure I can kick porn when I need to. And in the middle of my degree, I, ironically, like being in a very atheistic environment, just studying the sciences academically really caused me to dig into, like, why do I believe what I believe? And in that I found Jesus. And, you know, I, I knew how this went. Like when you commit your life to Jesus, you know, you have to make some lifestyle changes usually. So for me, that meant drinking responsibly or maybe not drinking at all. It meant cleaning out my language and it meant not watching porn. And those first two were no problem, you know, a week or two. And I felt like I was kind of back on track, but I could not for the life of me get rid of porn. And I was resorting to a lot of the typical solutions that I'd heard people talk about. Internet filters and accountability partners and confess it to your pastor, your leader was really happy to do those things. But wasn't really seeing the results that I wanted to. And, um, and it wasn't until I started doing um, a little bit deeper heart work that I really started to experience, I would say, inner transformation that eventually led to outer transformation. And I, I purpose in my heart in that season, this was probably about seven or eight years ago when I was starting to discover this stuff, that when I do fully get free, I will do everything in my power to share this with as many people as possible because it was revolutionizing my life. And I knew that if more guys were aware um, of just what was required and what actually helped you get free of this stuff, um, then they would do it and they would probably get free as well. So February 2016 was when I had my last relapse. I love that kind of language. That's why it's the title of my book. And uh, December 2018 was when I kind of felt the release from God to step out and start helping people. Because I, I had been free for a year at a time before, but I just, I wanted to know in my heart of hearts that I was I was clean and I could kind of handle the responsibility. And the rest is history. Deep Clean's been running a few years now and we've helped hundreds of guys get free since. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, we love people's stories and hearing your story, you know, there's a lot that I can relate to with that because I hear you, you know, like you kind of stumble forward when you're going through this, you know, porn is something that you don't want in your life. And I think that for, for many of us that were battling this in those formative years and into our young adult years, didn't really know how to do that frustrating right yeah. and uh you yeah. you just you're just trying to spin your wheel well you're spinning your wheels and you don't know how to break free from that kind of cycle and kind of sharing what you're sharing i think that's a very normal story for a lot of people and there's more coming out now about how to kind of move in a path that's that's better so was that kind of your story too did you learn through this or was this something that you you started to when you you were moving more in freedom that you started to understand or is it kind of like my story i felt like i was i was learning kind of building the plane as i'm flying it so how about for you how did you start to discover some of these these truths and and well kind of practice things that do work yeah, I mean, when I was starting to get free and I, I think I was realizing like the shift has happened, I'm not going back. I was just happy. Like I was just happy it was out of my life. I wasn't even really thinking like about how to help people right away. But I was uh, I was actually I was working at a church and I love the church dearly, but I was really bored in my job. And um, it was it was probably my third or fourth local church job. I basically been working local churches since I was 18. And I, I was like, I think, I think there's, there might be something different for me that I can still do. That's like ministry. It's still like helping local churches, but maybe it's just a little bit more kind of my speed and not my alley. And I actually, um, as I was sort of asking these questions and praying about it and everything else, I got a revelation one day, like, like it was just one of those moments where, you know, you've heard God 
And I remember I was scrambling for my phone and I was, I was just trying to write it down as quickly as possible before I forgot. But it was literally just like seven, uh, seven or eight steps. I forget the initial framework. I think it was eight steps um, to get guys free of porn. And the reason that had come up was because I was just thinking about like, where are areas that I've had breakthrough? Where are areas where I've like, where I feel like I could genuinely impart some authority and some sort of breakthrough to another person? And this area popped up. It was like, yeah, it's been a couple of years. I always talked about wanting to help people. And then it was like, boom, I felt like God had just given me some clarity. So once I had that, I felt like I had enough to kind of take that first step. But I, I definitely feel like even now, all these years later, I, I still feel like I'm brand new, like I'm learning all the time. And it's, um, it's just one step foot forward. And you're just hoping that God will kind of back you up. But sometimes you don't know if you're walking off a cliff, and maybe he'll have to bail you out. Um, you kind of just have to try and see what happens. So it's a, it's a little bit of A and a little bit of B on that one. Yeah, it's not always just a straight line or black and white. There's a lot to it, for sure. I yeah. appreciate you sharing that. And so you've got five core principles for long-term recovery you call the principle stack. And so we would love to just chat through what that is and, and uh, let you do some teaching just to help people get free. Yeah, so let's let's set it up a little bit. I think in, in today's day and age, we're in what I call the personality ethic. If you if you look online, you know people are selling their personalities. They're becoming influencers. Um, not against influencers at all, but like we're we're constantly getting marketed. We're constantly being told you have to put yourself out there a certain way. And people are really placing a lot of value on personality. Another great example is how quickly we flocked from one personality test to another, from you know Carl Jung's sixteen personalities to Enneagram to life languages to you know whatever the profile might be, strength finders and all that stuff. Again, not against any of it, but what's happening is a lot of people are defining what they can and can't do based on the result of a personality test. And uh, one of one of my uh, colleagues, his name's uh, Matt Dobshoots, he has a, a podcast called Porn Free. And he said it really well. He said, a lot of people will make commitments and then they will change their commitments based on their personality. But he said, when you're a person of character, actually you will make a commitment and then you will alter your character, or alter your personality to fulfill the commitment. And the idea being there that like in cancel culture and everything else that we're kind of dealing with right now, I think a lot of it boils down to this overemphasis on personality and the absence of principles or character, just tried, tested and true foundational elements that we can basically just hang our hats on, you know, regardless of the day, regardless of your personality, regardless of how you feel. So what we found is initially when we were kind of giving all of our like best resources to people to get free, they were helping, but uh, it almost felt like we were building a house on, not even on sinking sand, just without a foundation. And what we realized is when you start to give them some principles to live by, uh, that kind of, I guess, set the table a little bit, it's a lot easier than to kind of build on top of it, regardless of what that recovery resource might be, because I know you guys have fantastic stuff as well and i would say regardless of how good your resources are uh, you want to make sure that stuff's landing on a really good foundation so these five principles are sort of the the stack they they each build on each other and they lay a foundation for people who go through the recovery journey does that make sense is that a fair kind of context oh absolutely yep so keep going cool. so t t t okay. start to unpack some of these for us okay got it so uh, i'll give the overview the five principles are control responsibility uh, what we call the freedom bookends we'll go into that more delayed gratification and consistency 
So uh, again, you can kind of see, I mean, you could, you could honestly apply this to just about any area of your life where you want some transformation, but we found that these, these five principles are really effective for just setting up people well as they embark on the recovery journey. So the first one, I'll, I'll start off there and then I'll give you guys some space to ask questions around it. The first one is control. A little bit of a dirty word in today's society. People don't want to be controlling. We want to relinquish control of God. Totally get it. When I say control, what I really mean is clearly defining what is yours and what is somebody else's. And uh, I talk about this in the book. The best breakdown I've witnessed of control in my own life is when my wife and I get into a disagreement. Because suddenly it's like, you made me feel this way. And, you know, I would have never done that if it weren't for da 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 And suddenly it's this very victim-y, powerless kind of language of like, Oh, you are actually in control of my thoughts, feelings, my perceptions, and everything else. And to, to start with recovery, it, it'd be so easy for me to blame my classmate who showed me that pornographic website in the computer lab of my Christian school all those years ago. It'd be so easy to blame the porn industry or internet or society at large or whatever it might be. But the reality is I'm responsible for my decisions. I'm responsible for my actions, my thoughts, my feelings, my perceptions, paradigms, beliefs, everything. And um, the, the element of control really is simply just identifying those things, drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm not going to outsource my responsibility or the things that I'm in control of. I'm going to actually acknowledge these are mine. And now I'm going to do something about it. Wow. I love it. I love it. My wife was reading a book on parenting recently and just she's like the language that we use kind of even creates victimhood is what this book is saying and so like you make me laugh like you make me so you're what you do makes me feel a certain thing it's like when you make so yeah. we're trying to say to our kid like oh you're so funny but it's kind of hard it's like we're going probably too extreme again we're like looking at our words like are we making victims are we victims like you make me feel this way it's, it's interesting and so i love what you're saying because that relates to people with with pornography with addiction well, my wife isn't putting out. My wife isn't having sex with me, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, of course I have to go to pornography. <laughs> no, no, no. It, yeah. you can be in control of your own body and learn to control your body. Wait, blesses God and honors God. So I love what you're saying. It's so true. Keep on going. Okay, cool. So the, the second one really feeds nicely into this, and that is responsibility. So the, the problem is if you bypass control, you'll start to take false responsibility, which is when um, you either relinquish responsibility that's rightfully yours or you take responsibility for other people's stuff, other people's actions and everything else. So when you've clearly defined what you control, then you can actually start to do something about it. The definition, our working definition at least, of responsibility is literally in the world, uh, in the word rather. It's the ability to respond. And so it means that when you're walking down the street and you see an attractive woman, you are able to respond to your attraction. It's not her fault for how she dressed or how she looks or anything else. That's her business. But your response is completely within your your realm of control. So that's the next step. And I think this is where a lot of people um, will start to blur the lines a little bit. And I think when the lines are blurred, it's very difficult to move forward. The way I say it is it's probably the most discouraging news you can get is that you're responsible for your problem with porn. That, That really hits people hard. It's also the best news you can get, though, because if you're not part of the problem, you can't be part of the solution. But as long as as long as we can identify like, hey, these are the things that are problemed, whether it's thinking, whether it's something in your heart, yeah, emotions, trauma, whatever. But if we can identify these things and say, hey, you actually have responsibility, you have ownership over these things. That's a really empowering truth. Because it means that person can do something about it, regardless of how the people around them respond, regardless of the resources that are available or not available to them and everything else. So responsibility is really the next thing once you identify what you control. 
you know, this is something that, uh, I mean, it's so empowering what you're, sh- you're sharing here. And I mean, just as you're sharing this, I mean, I got a little example. I think I was thinking of my, my own life that happened recently. I was with my, my wife in a coffee shop and uh, I put my coffee cup right next to her. She couldn't see it. So this happened actually yesterday and uh, she bumped it and it fell over and it, the, the coffee poured out all over the table and onto the floor. And in that moment, I mean, I put it in a place she couldn't see. I shouldn't have done that. But it was incredible because in that moment, I felt anger at her. And uh, I'm like, I was, I was like, why did you do that? I was kind of had that mindset. And then when I was thinking about it, and I felt God was really helping me through this. First off, no, Brad, you have some percent to play in this. You have some ownership to take on in this because she had no clue your coffee was there. And then also being able to understand my emotion and why I'm feeling that and then how I respond out of that. Talking about responsibility and, uh, mm. you know, like that, that whole aspect of, well, okay, I'm feeling this, but if I really think about what's going on, no, this is this isn't her fault. This is something that basically the responsibility I take on this is yeah, I I put in a place you couldn't see. So I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I know that's a silly example of some of these things, but on a bigger scale with porn, you know, it's very you know, I can see the parallels. And uh, we, we encounter yeah. these things every day, but uh, man, that is empowering in the sense, yeah, you know, we do have some responsibility or we do have responsibility over over these things. And if we just play that victimhood of what we were talking about earlier, you're just kind of going with the way that life slaps you around and you have no real control over anything. So yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add to that or move on to the next point. Yeah. You actually reminded me, Brad, and I had a friend one time who was like, you know, whenever I see a hot girl walking down the street, I can't help but check her out. And, and like very clear indication of like kind of that victim thinking of like, I can't help, I can't help myself. Mm -hmm. And I think in this whole subject of like relationships, certainly in the realm of sexuality, um, we very quickly resort to those, those kinds of statements that just, I guess they, they just subtly enough outsource the responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's the really hard thing for somebody who is struggling is it means if you actually face it, if you actually acknowledge that you're responsible, then you have to do something about it. Like we're all hardwired that way. Once we know we're really responsible for it and we, we embrace it, what, what choice are you left with? You either, you either cowardly deflect it or you're going to take it on. Um, you know, and I think most people would do that, but it's, it's very easy to sort of medicate or keep it at arm's length so that you're not conscious of it. And as long as I don't have the responsibility, I don't have to kind of deal with it. So, um, that example you gave reminded me of that. I think that was really cool. Yeah. That's why, that's why I love talking about sexual needs. The myth of sexual needs, like you got sexual needs. If you, if you're, if you're single, you got sexual needs. Like, well, it's not your fault. You watch porn, you got needs. It's like, it's God's fault. He made me this way. He hasn't given me a spouse. <laughs> you actually got urges. You got <laughs> desires. It's not a need. You're not going to die if you don't, if you don't get off tonight. So, um, but yeah. it's that same thing, right? Like, Oh, I got sexual needs. My wife isn't having sex with me. Well, you don't have it. You don't, it's not a need. It's an urge, but if it's a need, well, it is her fault or it is God's fault. Right. And Mm, so you don't always need to get off. And it's that same thing about responsibility and taking what's yours instead of just relinquishing that and saying that it's somebody else's fault. So I love what you're saying. I love what you, what you're working people through. So you got control and then you got responsibility and what's number three again. Okay. So we call this the freedom book ends. So this one is two tiered. The first tier is basically crafting um, some sort of a why. Why do you want to get free of porn? And this sounds like very kind of basic, but the reality is the recovery journey is a roller coaster. You have ups and downs, you have some great highs and probably some difficult moments along the way. And a why purpose is, or a why statement rather keeps you grounded through those difficult times. 
So we always encourage guys have a statement uh, like it should be very simple, uh, like one clear sentence that starts with the words to be. So this is kind of like a transformation statement to be a loving husband, to be a man of integrity. Uh, one of my favorites, one of our clients uh, was to be a man of joy and one who brings joy to others. So again, it doesn't have to be anything like dramatic about like changing the world. It's more just about, again, that development of character, the person that you want to become in this process. And we find that's a really helpful starting point. And the second tier of the bookends is a vision. And, you know, biblically, uh, Proverbs talks about how where there's no vision, the people perish. In Habakkuk, he talks about writing it down, write the vision down. And the idea here is, um, is that you're dreaming a little bit about what your porn free life is going to look like and you're keeping that at the forefront as as kind of an incentive and a motivation and again a reminder in those difficult times because those difficult times will come and we find that when people do have a really compelling vision that's driving them to get free of porn they have a, a little bit just a little bit more cushion in those moments of difficulty where they would typically just resort to porn so those bookends we find are really helpful to sort of um yeah cushion and i would say further the foundation for freedom hmm. yeah you know I, that just reminds me of something i remember years ago here i'm telling stories today look at this uh, got great. my got my motorcycle license years ago and one of the things they they taught you was you will steer where you stare and yes so so if you if you're looking in one place your bike will go that way. And it's the same thing in our life. If we have a vision for something, if we have a realization that what freedom will look like for us and and being able to steer towards that, we have something that we're looking forward to um, versus if we're kind of aimless and we don't know, then yeah, we don't really have that vision of why we want to get porn out of our lives and understanding Mm -hmm. what life could be if we did. So I love that. I love that kind of that, that idea, those two bookends. That's great. Yeah, it actually reminds me like what, so we, we have an element of our recovery system. I think we're going to talk about this in another episode, but there's an element of kind of working through past traumas, past woundings and whatever else. And one of our rules for tackling those parts of your life is that we only look at our past long enough to learn because if you, if you look too long, if you get too caught up in it, Brad, and it's exactly what you're saying you end up going backwards or or you will start to slow down. So what you have your eyes set on is a really big deal. And uh, to use my personal example, one of my mentors had taught me when I had begun the recovery journey that marriage is a magnifier. He said a lot of single guys think, oh, I struggle with porn now, but I'll be having sex all the time when I get married and you know I won't have to worry about it kind of thing. And he was like, that's a huge misnomer. Like you need to get rid of this thing now. So I believed him. Thank God I I had a mentor in my life that I trusted enough to uh, believe him over my own credible 22 year old thinking. And uh, and he had told me or and I had decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this seriously. And I actually prayed, God, whoever my future spouse is, keep her, just keep her on hold until I kind of get my stuff together, because I I really did not want to bring this into the marriage. I really believed him enough to do it. February 2016 was when I had my last relapse and November 2016 was when I met Shaloma and we've been married two and a half years now. And I I think those those kinds of, uh, again, just having a vision of what you really want and letting it incentivize you a little bit and kind of push you forward in the journey goes a long way. And obviously, when you couple that with prayer and you you invite God into it, it's amazing what can happen. But I think, um, yeah, for me personally, like like I'm such an advocate for this because I experienced it in my own life. 
I love it. It's really cool. Yeah. That was the same for me. I, you know, I was praying for so long. God, give me something that's strong enough to hold on to, to, to stay free, get free and stay free from porn. And, and, uh, and at the same time praying, like, I want to be used by you, like use me around the world. And he was like, man, I want to use you. You got to get free of porn. And I'm like, man, if I want to have purpose in my life and the Lord work through me, this is a huge thing. And so that was an incentive for me too. So I can totally relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we go on to the next one? Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Yep. Perfect. Number four is delayed gratification. So this is the biggie for sure. Uh, the reality is, I think when when we're choosing to watch porn, uh, somebody is in essence choosing instant gratification over any kind of delayed reward. So th this one really takes a uh, it takes time to cultivate. What I always encourage people to do is to start small. So. It, it could be a really little thing like let's say like maybe every day you get a little tired around two o'clock right after lunch so you have a little chocolate to pick you up or you have a little coffee try try a day without it and see what happens maybe not coffee that's dangerous territory people get pretty moody after that but you know what i mean you start small <laughs> yeah. start with something that um that just allows you to get a taste of what it's like to delay gratification and and start to engage with that part of you because what we don't realize is very often we are actually choosing instant gratification subconsciously I think social media is a great example. Like it's very common now when you have a break in conversation or there's some sort of pause, people are going to pull out their phone and they're going to start scrolling. They're going to check their notifications, check for messages and everything else. All of it is for that quick hit, that quick hit of dopamine, that instant kind of gratification. We're being conditioned for it all the time. And generally the, the people who have the most success, whether it's uh, financially getting free of porn in their marriages, anything like that, they are able to delay gratification. So you want to first be aware of where are you trying to experience gratification? When is that actually happening within you? And then secondly, uh, making an effort and kind of exercising that muscle of delaying it. So this is by far the hardest one, uh, but it's a, it's a biggie and really it's, it's necessary to experience long-term recovery. Mm. Yeah. The things that God taught me um, through that process as well, you know, those times where you, you filled your life with white noise because you don't want to have a thought or you don't want to, you know, have um, a moment where you're inviting God into those moments because our desires start to be revealed and these different things, yeah. these emotions start to come out. It's kind of like your, your feet's being put to the fire, so to speak, and you're starting to realize, wow, there's all this stuff and I don't know what to do with it, so I got to go to my drug of choice or get the dopamine hit or just stop thinking about life and what's going on. And so I totally relate to what you're saying, Cynthia, because I, I think that's, that's often a very difficult thing for us is especially when we're battling an addiction is we, we don't want to become self-aware. We don't want to have that moment of quiet uh, that, that God mm. teaches us through. And uh, I mean, we're recording right now during uh, Lent season and uh, I've been wrestling with this too of learning to give up some things and invite uh, the Holy Spirit into those moments. So this really hits home because yeah. absolutely, like how quickly do we go to our phone? Um, and then on a bigger scale, sometimes, you know, even, we're talking about porn. So it's it, these things, often we just, we got to fill that gap in our life and we don't know what to do and, and delaying that gratification you're talking about uh, of how to just be able to think through these things, um, you know, process, have quiet, invite God into it and, and learn through it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the other thing I was going to add is this is why the vision part's really important because if you're just delaying gratification for the sake of delaying gratification, 
it's just not particularly compelling. And our, unfortunately, like our brains just aren't wired that way. But when you have a vision, when you have an idea of like, no, 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 this is why I'm not watching porn today because my, my kids, my future kids, my wife, my relationship with God, uh, my success at work, whatever it is, when you have those things at the forefront, um, it's a much more compelling reason to stave off uh, whatever that instant gratification might be that's presenting itself. I love it because it's not just about stopping something; it's about going towards something. And we don't we don't work well yes. when we just try to stop something that gives us pleasure, right? So we got to have that yeah. that vision. I, I call them I call them lions and bears. These little the things that you start small with, and so you start small. And I call them that because David, when he's going after Goliath, he's like, "Man, I've already killed a lion. I've killed a bear before. I know that I can also kill Goliath." He's basically just another lion, right? And so you you start small. It's like what's in your past that you know you've done before where you can take that same principle and apply it to the biggest thing that you've ever faced. And so I love the idea of starting small and just starting with something that's a little bit more simple to encourage yourself. And 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 when you do that, get those, those principles in place. Not just focus on, okay, I got rid of chocolate, but like how did I feel after? How long did it take for me to not even have the craving? Um, and you think about those principles and I love what you're saying. So start small and, and it cultivates and, and eventually, I mean, that's transformation, right? We start to renew the way that we think about things and our cravings and ultimately see transform transformation in our lives. So love what you're saying. Yeah, I, I would say, I think when you start to get to this fourth principle, this is where people really start to change. This is where you can see their identity is shifting, their brains are rewiring and their decisions are reflecting those changes. Um, it's pretty cool. What what we found, I think, and, and again, you guys, I'm sure will be able to attest to this, but anybody can do something for a couple of weeks a couple months. Matt, I, I actually love that part of your story where I think you were free for two and a half years yeah. and had a relapse. Um, I think it just, it just shows that like even, even extended periods of time, we can do this, but we're always trying to play a long game. If you think about even just the whole principles and doctrine around Christianity, we're talking about eternity here. Like God is always conscious of the long game, the big picture. And so it's a huge disservice to only provide these four principles without giving the fifth, which is consistency compounds. And the the thing that we were trying to foster in the recovery journey is we don't want to just have a flash in the pan. We don't want to just be free for a couple of weeks or even a couple of months, even a couple of years. What we're really after is living these things out, taking control, being responsible for what we control, having a vision of what God's called us to and a compelling reason to pursue it, delaying gratification. We're trying to do this on a regular basis, day in and day out when it's easy and when it's hard, because when we do that, there is a compounding effect that takes place. And where a lot of guys miss the mark is they're, they're thinking that getting free of porn will just be easy because of course we share all these stories about these breakthrough moments. So people think, well, that's awesome. I should just have to pray the prayer. I'll do exactly what Matt did. I'll follow his little process and I should be good. And of course, all of these things are going to help people, but there are challenges along the way. And those are the moments where you want to dig your heels in a little bit, keep going, keep the momentum going. And that's when the consistency starts to really have a compounding effect. And in the book, we talk a little bit about finances are a great example, obviously investing over long term. Uh, you start to see that compounding effect, kind of the, the long curvature that takes place at a certain point. I talked about it in my relationship with God. So uh, when I was when I had committed my life to Jesus, like I mentioned, I was in my early 20s. I went to ministry school and in ministry school, I cultivated this habit of just giving my first hour to God every single day. And I, I haven't stopped. So I've been doing that for just about 10 years now. And 
I, I can show you, you know, the, the journals, like the piles of journals that have built up over time. I can show you the scriptures, you know, the specific moments where God spoke to me something and I, I underlined it and I, I circled it, you know, and it, it changed the decision I made or the way I, I handle this situation. I, I built that history that is compounding over time. And I think a lot of people, sometimes they'll see what I do. They see the places where God's taking me. They say, how do you handle it? You're doing too much, whatever, whatever. And it's like, no, this is like, this is just the byproduct of years, years of spending time with God when nobody is watching, forging character, making sacrifices behind closed doors. It all adds up over time. Uh, but again, if you're not willing to delay gratification, if you don't have a vision for what's driving you to do these things in the first place, it's hard to even get here. But when you do, it's totally sweet. And like I see it in your guys' lives, both of your guys' lives, you know, there's incredible fruit from getting free that we see in our marriages, that we see in our families, that we see in the work that we do, and it gets better and better and better with time. So consider Consistency over long periods of times compounds. And so I want to ask you, what do you say? Because I know you got some good stuff and I'm kind of setting you up. But what do you say to somebody who consistently, habitually watches pornography and then says, man, I struggle with consistency? Oh, man, you're, that's like a, a softball lob right there, bro. This is my wheelhouse these days. Um, <laughs> I would say if um, if you well, it's just a funny statement to say I struggle with consistency because the the existence of a compulsive behavior proves just how consistent you really are. Like if you think of like how else do you form an addiction unless you're doing something consistently, right? So I, I think it's it's very rarely the issue. I think what people usually say, what they actually mean when they say that rather, is oh, I can do something for a week or a couple of weeks and then I lose interest or then it gets tough and I back away. That we can talk about more for sure. But I don't buy the whole consistency issue thing. I, I don't think that's real. Mm. I agree. Yeah, that's well said. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that idea of you're talking about the long game. So everything that you've shared, you know, having that vision, being able to have those bookends and then building that consistency and all the other ones you mentioned, I think that's a great mindset to carry into this because, you know, often it's like when people diet, right? Like they'll go for a short season to try to get a certain behavior or a certain result and it's short term. Right. But, you know, if we change and transform our life as God's working in our life and we, you know, model our life for that long game, we are going to see that transformation instead of this flash in the pan that you're talking about. And it's just not sustainable, right? That flash in the pan is not sustainable because we are going to hit curveballs in life where circumstances arise where the stress, the heat is turned up. And then if we don't have something to kind of build off of and a vision long term, you know, we're going to go back to old behavior again because that flash in the pan, maybe you got free for a bit and you just can't deal with life though. You don't have the ability or the skills or, you know, that, you know, that, that understanding. So you're going to go back to old patterns. So I think that's a really important mindset. You know, I keyed in on that and that, that long game, you know, that understanding and it is a race, but it's a, it's a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So I think yeah. that that's a, that's, that's such an important mindset to carry in. Yeah. And I think the, like the other side of it too, cause I, I, I guess I'm just realizing for me, I, I have a, like a tendency to fall into perfectionism, perfectionistic kind of thinking, performance thinking. And, um, and so I just want to clarify to people, like, this is not about being perfect consistently over time. It's just about regularly putting forth the effort consistently over time. So, you know, I, I had a, a, a client recently, he, he'd been clean for, I think about four and a half, five months and he had a relapse and he sent me this panicked email and like just totally freaking out just like oh my gosh like four and a half months down the drain and you know he's been struggling like he's, he's a professor at a university um he's in his well into his 50s you know he's been struggling a long time and so he's never gone this long and he just feels like he blew it all in one day and it's like bro 
it's literally one day. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about one day over the last five months where you accomplish something you haven't done in like four decades. So let's keep a little perspective here. You can still be consistent. Like one day does not determine whether or not you're consistent. It doesn't negate that. Keep going. That's obviously where you recalibrate with your vision and, and you kind of get back on track. But I think we, we can lose sight of this as well. Like it's not a perfectionistic thing. It's just about consistently putting forth the effort, making adjustments as, as you know, areas get exposed that maybe need to be addressed and whatever else. And just making sure that you're not, uh, you're not losing cores, you know, and you're not, you're not losing that effort. I love that. I love that. It's such an encouraging mindset. And sometimes when we have a relapse or we screw up once in five months, it's like that one time will highlight something that we need to grow in. And the Lord's putting his finger on that. And so sometimes it's a really, really valuable learning experience. It's not that you want to do it, but when it happens, it can actually be a helpful thing. And so, Sathya, this has been so good. Thank you so much for sharing the uh, the principal stack that you take people through. And uh, I would love for you to just end by letting people know where they can find you, where they can get a hold of you, social media, website, where they can get your book, all of that. Yeah, the book's called The Last Relapse. Um, so that's available on all major platforms. We have a daily podcast called Unleash the Man Within if people want to check that out. Um, otherwise, it's just my website. Our program's called Deep Clean, so you can go to getadeepclean.com. That'll take you to all of our resources and everything else that we're up to. Awesome. Check it out, everybody. I mean, these are important resources. And uh, we're so thankful, Cynthia, for having you on today. Really appreciate you and all that you're doing. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, guys. And everybody out there listening, thank you for checking in with us. We'll see you next week for another great episode. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.